Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Fresh Take with Joey and Ranveer, Season 2, Episode 3. And ladies and gentlemen, this one broke a record. This is the longest episode we've ever recorded um, so far, and I will say... It was the most one of the most fun I've had on a podcast. We got to talk to our good friend Sam Houston, and we really could have talked for another six hours. But, you know, it's finals week, and we need to give him a break. So please enjoy our conversation with our friend Sam Houston. I meant to say um, one of the most fun moments I've had on a podcast. Hey, guys, this is Joey. I'm editing. Um, enjoy the podcast. Thanks. Hey, welcome back to another week of Fresh Take with Joey and Ranveer. I'm Ranveer. I'm Joey. And today we have Sam Houston. Uh, I have had the privilege of knowing Sam Houston since I was in high school. Uh, we started a club together called Stigma Free HSC, now known as Bring Change to Mind. And I'll just let him talk about himself a little bit. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm super thrilled to be here. Of course. Um, yeah, Ranveer gives me way too much credit. I didn't start that club. Ranveer started a, a really cool organization when we were at uh, HSC uh, in high school together which uh, focus on destigmatizing uh, mental illness and, and mental health in general. Uh, not only in our high school, but it ended up like, you know, reaching out to the community, which was a lot of fun, and I was super grateful to be part of that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm Sam, uh, a sophomore at Indiana University, studying management and human organization, which means just about as little as it sounds. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm not much to me. like to hang out, chop it up with friends, you, so I'm pretty excited to be here. Are you in any intercollegiate organizations? Yeah, so uh, at IU, I, I'm involved with uh, Fiji Phi Gamma Delta, which is a fraternity. Could I come to one of the parties? Uh, COVID, <laughs> man. No, I, I mean, after. I just want to know. I'd be thrilled. Thank I would love you, you too. I yeah. Put me on the list. I kept going there last year, and I was knocking on the door. I was like, Sam said I could come, and no one. No one lets you no in. No one let me yeah. in. Yeah, well, you get in there, and the first question that 30 guys ask you is, who do you know here? And I always said Sam yeah. Houston, and they were like, we don't know that guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's fair. That sounds about right. So you're in Fiji. Any, any other? And then uh, IUDM, Indiana University Dance Marathon, which has been uh it was, was, like, super weird with COVID, Yeah, how obviously. was that this year? I saw, like, some videos and stuff. Dude, asking people for money in a pandemic is, uh. is like, <laughs> yeah. not ideal. Uh, I mean, it, but it's, like, it wasn't fun to ask people for money in a pandemic. And, and fundraising is certainly, like, one of the more difficult parts of IUDM, specifically because you tend to reach out to the, some of the same donors each year. But what was really cool was, like, the resilience that we kind of saw yeah. this year with IUDM. Like, despite the circumstances being against us in almost every way, shape, and form, like, having 100 people on your committee and the thousands of members across campus, like, persist and rally yeah. together and do it nonetheless was, like, it was pretty sweet. It was really cool to see. So fundraising has always been tough for me because I, I just don't like talking to people that much. Yeah, and fair. Or asking <laughs> for money, which, like, the two things I hate is talking to new people and asking for money, and that's, like, both of them. So wh what do you have – do you have, like, a strategy for how you do it, or are you just an email keyboard warrior? Yeah, I'm, like, the opposite of, like, the email keyboard because okay. I think, like, 
the route that I took this year, it's like you got to convince someone to give you money, right? (laughs) It's like, like, yeah, it is. It's like uh, you got to go up there and, like, money is money. Like, I hate spending money. I think we all hate, like, giving our money away. So you got to convince somebody and, like, not not that like IUDM's like mission isn't enough to yeah. convince someone like oh hey like would you please donate money to Riley Children's <laughs> Hospital that's a pretty you know non-controversial yeah, subject and organization <laughs> no but I call people I would only yeah. do phone calls like you know I, I try to make it as personal as possible like it, and like as horrible as it sounds it's like I'll call my aunt or uncle that I haven't spoken to in like three months but. Uh. The first 20 minutes of the conversation will always yeah. be, like, how is the family? Like, what are you guys, what have you guys been up to? Like, how are my cousins doing? Exactly. You're getting them sweet for you. And so, it's all, I mean, it's like a, it was like, went both ways. It was cool to, like, yeah. in the fundraising season, that is when I really do, like, catch up with, like, extended relatives and family members I don't talk to. And oftentimes, like, I called um, my aunt, who I probably hadn't spoken to since the summer, and we talked for an hour and a half. And at the very end, you know, hey, by the way, <laughs> I really need your hard-earned money. So, uh, but it's cool. I don't know. It's like Wolf of Wall Street type, but yeah, getting their money out of them. But I mean, if it works, it's uh, as you said, it's for a good cause. We, I did it in high school, and I was a I was a keyboard warrior. I'd be like, Dad, could you post something on Facebook? And he's like, I got you. And then that's how I raised the money. So I respect the calling people. Yeah, Wolf of Woodlawn. That's <laughs> 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 what they started calling me down there. Okay. <laughs> So how was this semester for you? I know you're home right now in Fishers, and um, it's different than a normal school year would be because normally you'd be in Bloomington right now. So what's this school year been like for you? Well, how was it for you guys? It, it was the worst, right? It's been fucking terrible. <laughs> it was horrible, yeah. yeah. Pretty bad. Uh, like right now doing finals, uh, I'm finishing up. I had like three exams this week because it's finals week for oh, yeah. most Bloomington students. It's super alarming to realize how little I learned. <laughs> That's like been the first thing uh uh i mean it was it is what it is i think when you think about covid and, and for our generation like specifically in the you know the very small group of people in the grand scheme of things who have experienced college semesters in the midst of a pandemic like despite how little i feel like i learned in the in the classroom and i say that because we were never in the classroom he did air quotes uh he we learned a lot about like other things yeah. i think we learned a lot about social responsibility yeah I think we learned a lot about priorities, you know, as much as I would have loved, like you joked about earlier, as much as I would have loved to have social events at the fraternity house, like that was not, that's not important right now. There are things that are much more important, like the health and safety of our community, like us being able to be on campus regardless. Like you learn a lot about uh, time management. You learn a lot about, you know, your own like work ethic and your own ability to, you know, stay on top of your shit. Like, as much as this semester sucked, like, I'm per- perhaps I learned more this semester in Bloomington than I did in my freshman year or than I ever did in high school. Like, man, this fucking pandemic is the worst. But, like, <laughs> it really forced all of us to, like, reevaluate a bunch, a bunch of things and, like, grow and, like, change in response to it. Yeah. So it was a – yeah, I didn't have a great I – mean, it wasn't a fun semester, and it was, it was exhausting, and I'm so happy to be home and, like, be away from – my weekly COVID test, but uh, I don't know. I'm like, I definitely will like always remember and kind of cherish the values that I was able to like take away from it. Yeah, true. Like you were saying, uh, people learn a lot about themselves during this pandemic, obviously, and isolation as well. We saw an uptick in the amount of suicides that were happening in the world. And um, 
you and I both being a part of Stigma Free in high school, we kind of learned, you know, what a positive coping mechanism is, you know. We kind of were able to identify what what we need to do in order to help ourselves. So what kind of recommendations would you give to people that are watching this podcast to best better their mental health? Something that, like, I really, like, took pride in, like, helped me with the pandemic. And, and especially first, like, back in March when we were all in isolation. Yeah. But then also at school, like, just getting outside. Like, man, it's, like, when you're inside from sun up to sundown, like, it is exhausting. Are you it, a big die guy? Do you play die? I don't play die, no. I, I, but I'm just talking about, like, going on walks. Oh, like, okay. not, like, I would just, back in March, back in April when we were home, I would, walk around the neighborhood every day it was like an hour to do a quick walk i listen to some music listen to a podcast but like as counterintuitive as it seems like if you just stay inside and do nothing it wears you down like horribly and we especially felt that in bloomington uh like our like our house our chapter was on quarantine for 51 days Jesus. and that was like a pretty strict like you can't really leave like can't have anyone over like you can't do much days? 51 days, yeah. Our f- uh, The first 57 days we were in Bloomington, we were on strict quarantine for 51 of the 57. No shit. It was like it was like the worst thing ever, yeah. Oh I, was cra- I was cracking down on Greek they houses. They vilified. Well, it was, it was Monroe County specifically, yeah. and I mean, that's a whole other thing. No, I no, no, no. we could definitely get into that because that was a hot topic. It was uh, – y- you guys were getting tested. We haven't had anyone in Greek life on the podcast yet, so it's interesting. We haven't – that you guys saw testing at an exponential rate compared to people that lived on campus. Yeah. And, you know, I lived in Stadium Crossing, so I'm off-campus housing, but I'm still on campus. Mm-hmm. Well, it, testing wasn't random for Greek students. It was a requirement. Yeah. And before I, like, really dive into this, obviously, like, from my point of view, like, IU was right to test Greek chapters. Yeah. Like, that wasn't a wrong thing to do. Uh, vilified is, like, per- perhaps a word that is fitting, but... When we got to school, like, the Greek community had, like, positivity rates in the 80 to 70 to 80 percentages for certain chapters. And, like, okay, that, like, is pretty clear, like, what that, all right, if there's a bunch of kids with COVID, you have to figure out who has COVID. Like, you have to get tested. That makes sense. Um, so I don't really take issue with us getting tested frequently. My issue with what, how IU and Monroe County handled this was the lack of action on their end. So... In my chapter in Fiji, I was on the COVID response team, which like came about last March. So when we got sent home and we went back, um, back to Fishers, back to our communities, you know, the first thing that we had to start considering is how can we live in our house safely? You know, you've got a hundred members who are going to live in this facility from all over the country. Like it's going to be very difficult to ensure that when we come back, you're not going to give the virus to other people. I mean, we would eat meals in the same room. We share bathrooms. I mean, it's just communal living. Like, there's no way to it's not. like a hundred guys living in a mansion. Yeah. <laughs> it's communal living. Like, there's no way that like, things won't spread. Um, so we spent all summer working with our, our housing corporation and working with alumni and working with, uh, you know, older members to try to figure out the best practices and best protocols for us to come back. And, and that was cool. And it was, again, like me personally, that was a super neat learning experience about something that I probably never would have had the opportunity to be a part of otherwise. But Monroe County and IU provided no guidance. Yeah. All they said is that you can move back into your houses. 
They never told us how to do it. They never gave us any guidelines on what it would look like. They never told us what we should do if someone gets COVID. They never told us what to do about contact tracing. They never told us what to do in regards to dining, what to do in regards of sleeping. They like IU Monroe County literally gave zero guidance to Greek chapters until we got there. So they tell an entire community of students, thousands of students across 40 chapters, hey, you can come back. Figure it out, though. And so we try to figure it out. And what do you expect 19 to 22-year-olds to do to solve a pandemic when our leaders in Washington haven't even figured it out? Clearly, we got it wrong. So we came back to school. A bunch of Greek students got COVID. And then IU said, you know what? You messed up. So now we're going to recommend you leave. In weeks into us being in Bloomington, IU and Monroe County recommended that all Greek chapters close and those students move out. And that's my issue. You can't tell us to come back to Bloomington, not provide us any guidance, and then punish us when we fail to meet your standards, you know? So that was my issue. When it comes to what Greek life looks like from the outside looking in, and I have friends in Greek life, uh, one of my really good buddies is an essay. Um, you guys developed a COVID task force, basically, for your for your frat. And the fact that IU or Monroe County wasn't even able to do that for you guys seems like they kind of just didn't care. Yeah. Oh, that definitely, like, from my point of view as a student, like, left us hanging, certainly. Uh, and not that they weren't able to recover, like, towards the end. Like, towards the end, they were able to provide us with, like, the testing we needed and, and some of the support and when I finally like came to their senses and realized like they can't force thousands of students out of their homes, uh, I think it got better. But yeah, I certainly I don't think IU intentionally like set us up to fail, but they certainly did. The university and the county certainly did not provide adequate resources over the summer when they had months to try to figure out how to get the specific community of students back on campus, and it was very you know it's frustrating to see like your university community to provide a lack of resources to you and then like when shit hit the fan they're very quick to point fingers so one girl that went to our school and i you you definitely know her she uh she just got covered for the second time Mm. yeah i saw that and um she is she said this time is much worse than it was the first time she's at, she was asymptomatic the first time and this time she is experiencing horrible symptoms and when i got covid i don't know about you i do know about joey but i couldn't move like my knees hurt my shoulder my lower back like i was in so much physical pain i could not move i just had the smell and taste i didn't get my smell and taste back for two months after see and i was like a little fatigued for yeah. a few days like i never lost, lost my smell never lost my taste you lucky bastard it was just kind of like uh that's like the new getting an std though <laughs> you call everyone you met and you're like hey man i don't know you might want to get checked out but did you have my favorite part of covid was the 45 minute compulsory talk i had to have with the indiana health department every like two days Oh my god! Oh yeah. Did you that have to do that too? They'd call you every day, and there was a delay on it. <laughs> there was like a delay on the phone, so th- I'd be like, they'd be like, "Hey Joe, you have COVID," and I'd be like, "I know," and then they'd be like, "What do you want to do about your COVID?" Like, Get rid of it, I guess. I don't know what you want me to say to that, but that was my favorite part. I think my favorite part about COVID was being treated like a mutant in my own home, <laughs> like You're just secluded, away. <laughs> secluded in my room, like. Yeah. Literally, my mom taped 
like <laughs> m- outside of my door, like hung tape, like I where I couldn't cross, like <laughs> set my plate down, text for water. There was one time it was late at night and I wanted water so bad. I was like, I'll wear my mask, I'll wear gloves, I'm gonna go get water. And I got a firm scolding when my mom <laughs> caught me, and I was like, "Dude, like I'm going. Water is a fundamental human right, <laughs> according to the UN. Like, COVID should not infringe upon my, you know, abilities as a human to get some water. But it feels like all we've ever talked about is COVID. But think about like where we were a year ago, roughly to where we are now. I mean, like we've got the vaccine, which is awesome. Like, I'm I'm a huge proponent of the vaccine. Like it's what's going to end this pandemic essentially, I believe. What about the microchips? Yeah, it's crazy that Bill Gates is gonna (laughs) be able to (laughs) track. People are gonna start believing that we actually think that. Guys, we're kidding. Every time the vaccine's brought up, one of us says, What about the microchips? (laughs) Which is But I'm so excited for COVID. Like COVID will never go away, but I'm so excited for us to move past that because like the dialogue in this country and the dialogue with friends and family I mean when's the last time genuinely when is the last time you had a conversation with a like new acquaintance like obviously like when you first and you haven't talked about COVID like probably February it's exhausting yeah like it is to have the same conversation over and over and over it's become the new how about the weather sort of thing yeah that's just like I went to I was picking up some food because I don't I can't cook I don't know how and the guy he like gave me the food. He's like COVID, right? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, it's a thing. I, I remember last year at this time though, um, the, the guy that we had on last week, Max. You know, Max. He's my roommate, and he's my roommate last year too. And he was like, hey man, have you heard about this thing going around in China? I was like, it won't be a big thing. Don't worry about it. It'll be like Ebola. I was so incorrect. I was so incorrect, so hard, so wrong. I was the same way. Like, I remember seeing tweets about it in like January and. I remember specifically I got my hair cut in Bloomington and uh, a guy was, my barber was just like, hear about COVID? Like they're digging mass graves in the Middle East and in China. And I was like, yeah, sure. Crazy barber, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, cool. Um, but I, I was so nice. I mean, it's like the, like American ignorance. It's like, okay, that can happen there. Like yeah. that can happen in countries that don't have our infrastructure, that don't have our same forms of government, that don't have the technological developments that we do. But it will never happen here because that's how it was when we were kids. Think about yeah. H1N1. H1N1 never, like, ravaged America. Ebola never ravaged America. Zika. Like, you, you heard about all these yeah. things growing up, but they never, like, like I, it never, like, They never really crossed over. It never, yeah. yeah. It was always, like, three people, and then those three people were quarantined, and then it was not in the news cycle anymore. Yeah. It would be gone almost as soon as it happened. And I, and I think that's just the reflection of, like, our world has become increasingly globalized in the last decade that, like, were things that we were able to catch early, we weren't mm-hmm. this time. I mean, likely if, if the coronavirus was like circulating around uh, like East Asia in the months of January, then it was probably here like January 3rd. Like yeah. it was probably here days afterwards, you know? Because people travel at such a rapid it could rate. could have yeah. even been here in December, I've heard. Yeah. Say, which is, ugh. I mean, it's, a co- yeah, it's a consequence of like the world. I mean, and I think because of that, we, we, like pandemics may become the norm like every few years there is a new pandemic like i, I just think that are we are that globalized now whereas you know the spread of illness is something we're going to have to learn to be more proactive about and that's when you when you when you think about the long-term effects of covid like i'm not sure that wearing masks in public will ever go away i kind of like it yeah you know like in, in an airport or like when you're walking into a football stadium or like very busy places like that makes sense now 
It should have always been a common courtesy. Well, in Asian countries, yeah. it is. In Asian countries, like even if during like the flu season, they'll wear masks around. And people say masks don't work. And like I've watched Bill Nye explain how masks work. So I'm pretty sure masks work. I like wearing the mask because then I don't have to show my face. Yeah, you look way more attractive when you have the mask on. It's crazy. I, so much I walked in and you had your mask on. I was like, fuck, Joey. Like, I know. I go you look great, man. Six. And then don't make me do something real quick. Ripped it off. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I want to wear it always. Because, like, it just cuts off the bad part. I have beautiful eyes. I'm going to say that. Yeah. And it really showcases the but eyes. But no one has to see your your, gross yeah, your facial hair, <laughs> your smile or anything. It's like. I have been growing the facial hair hard because I can wear a mask. I've been growing facial hair since eighth grade, man. It's insane. Fuck off. I it's literally I insane. Ranveer wants us to give him kudos for hitting puberty when yeah. he was like 12. Congrats, <laughs> Maybe Some 10. Some of us were late bloomers. Well, a, a good thing about masks is also a great opportunity for businesses to advertise things. Why like my mask has like the Movember thing, which is what mm-hmm. I raise money for. So it's like a great way to like raise awareness. Like I'm getting masks for us for Christmas that have like our logo on them. I, t- I wear an IU mask because they need more advertising in the state of indiana i'm walking around they're like what is that symbol nobody does that they're just like oh this kid's a 50 percent of IU our freak. fisher's population yeah. goes to iu yeah fisher's probably more to be honest yeah well i know that carmel indiana sends more people to iu than anywhere in the world and then like oh, fisher's is number two i think on that list carmel has like a hundred thousand students <laughs> so I heard they have a million now. Yeah, dude, they, yeah. they built a new campus. <laughs> they took a new city, and it's, it's Carmel High School now. It's their own. It's city. their own municipality. Yeah, it's like that one place in Alaska. Have you heard about that? No. Where it's just a building. It's a city, but everyone lives in one building. That's what they did with Carmel High. You guys didn't see? Nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, COVID, right? I mean, it's so bad. I have no idea what you're talking about. It, there's this place in, in Alaska. It's like secluded, and the entire town lives in one like high-rise building. There's a school and a hospital. All in that building. All in that building. Have you heard about the city that Akon is building? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, and, and I, I don't know much about it, but it's definitely a cool YouTube video. Like, something you should look up. Akon developed his own cryptocurrency called Acoin. Of course. And as one would, once you have your own cryptocurrency, you have to create, like, a city of government that it becomes their primary currency. Like BitCity. Exactly. So it's a, there's an Akon city. I don't know what it's called, but... Also, uh, he's he's building That's a city awesome. in Africa, and it's actually sweet if you hear about it. But there's, it's like no way it's gonna happen. It sounds like a theme park, but don't ever, ever tell people to watch something during our podcast. Don't divert <laughs> our traffic. Okay, we value our listeners, and if we lose very them much for a second, they're out of there. Yeah, We're not getting them back. You're right. Rule number one. I have a question for you. So, what do you see yourself doing in ten years? Because your major is kind of ambiguous a little bit. What do you What do you see yourself doing with that? Um. The goal's always been for me, like, to go to law school. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, pr- like, pretty certain about that for a while now. Any ideas where? Because I want to go to law school, too. Uh, dude, I, I couldn't tell you. Oh, like, yeah, too. You guys will have <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, Hey, just go to law school together. Three guys, go to law school. Three guys one city. <laughs> burn it down. Slamming it up for the LSAT. So, like, yeah, law school's always kind of been, like, what I, what I want to do. And um, when I got to school, like, I started off as like a pre-law major, law and public policy in, in the School of Public and Environmental Affairs. Um, and I enjoyed it. And like, I think SPIA is a pretty like u- unique school at IU where there's a lot of collaboration and, um, you know, you, you hear like a lot of diverse perspectives and, and like the learning is all like pretty 
um, immersive, like a lot of group projects went on. So that was cool. But I just like a lot of my classes I, I found myself taking and like on my career path were classes that I would have to take again in law school. Super redundant. And like, why would you ever like learn something once only to learn it again it's better? Because they want your money. Yeah, it, I, it, there's no reason to fill your brain with redundant information. Um, and it was like pretty pre-government. Like, I don't think I want to do anything with the government. So I like got out of there and, and went to Kelly for a semester, uh, largely because like a lot of my friends were in the Kelly School of Business. Like I took business classes before. Um, and I don't know, being at IU, there is like that connotation where it's like, oh, if you're not in Kelly, like you're not learning. And so I was like, okay, maybe I'll try this out. Like Kelly I owners. use Crown Jewel. Uh, and holy shit, Kelly suck. Yeah. Like <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was horrible. Like, and not that the Kelly School of Business is a bad school. It's just like, it's hard. Like it's very hard and it's very rigorous. And there's a lot of classes where I feel like the classes aren't meant necessarily to like teach you information well, but just like, can you put your head down and grind and like work super hard to earn a grade? Like it's to weed you out. They want to, yeah, yeah, they want to see what you're made of. And like, I didn't like that. No. And especially for someone who didn't want to be a business <laughs> professional, I'm taking like I'm sitting down like fretting over Excel sheets like two oh one in Wiley Hall at four AM on a Tuesday, Wednesday morning. I'm like, why the fuck am I like yeah. like literally like losing hair over an Excel sheet when I want to like argue for a living? Yeah. Like when I want to like I was like, this is bullshit. So I got out of there quick. I like and it's hard and I give so many props to like You didn't even get to I Corps. No shit, no fucking way. Like I give so many props to Kelly kids. I know they get a bunch of shit for, like, this. No, like, that. Kelly's hard, and there's so much you have to be willing to tolerate just for the sake of, like, remaining in the school. Yeah. Well, it's a prestigious school, so I'm assuming they're, they give you this. They give you K201 and, and it works. A203, all these classes yeah. to make you be the best. So I guess there's a rhyme behind the reason. Yeah. I mean, I guess. So then, so I, I audibled into management and human organization, which is, like, a like, my goal with, with school is just, like, I want to learn as much as I can. Like, mm -hmm. I'm going to go to law school and learn, like, my professional and, like, more, like, specific, you know, requirements and, like, the more specific knowledge in law school. So, like, let me just become smarter. Let me become a better thinker. Let me become a better writer. Let me become a better speaker. So, with management and human organization through the college, like, I'm still having to take some science classes. Like, I'm taking poli-sci. I'm taking econ. I'm taking some business. I'm taking some math. Like, you just get a little bit of everything, you so get a holistic sort of approach. Yeah, so I, I it, that's what I'm like thrilled about. So I don't know, man. Ten years, like maybe I'll be a lawyer somewhere. Like okay. maybe I'll have a house. I don't know. We'll be at least thirty. <laughs> None of us are buying houses until we're forty. The way the housing market looks. Yeah. Uh, who knows, man? I'll Post be thirty or something. I don't know, because old people are living longer, you know. So they're keeping those houses. They got their claws on them. Dude, and I don't want to have kids like anytime yeah. soon either. Like I kind of want to like chill out for chill a little out, bit yeah. so who knows man when i'm 38 hopefully i'll just be like i want to live in a city though but really? i'll be doing something could you see yourself coming back to fishers no no shot no sh not i'm gonna say no shot i could see myself coming back to indiana uh somewhere I, like work in indy live in like zionsville or something yeah place. i could certainly see myself in indiana but man it, like i think it'd be so weird like for my kids to go to the same high school i went to or yeah. like so like so weird to live 10 minutes away from like where i grew up i, I don't know i think like so well, much of what like i value is is like experiential learning and i feel like your experiences are limited exponentially when you choose to remain in the same place and surround yourself around like some of the same yeah. variables 
So would I ever come back? And f- I don't know, maybe, but like I don't want to for a while. Like I hope to graduate, go to law school, somewhere out of state, go live somewhere for a while, and then like I don't know, see what happens. I've heard East Coast is elite with their law schools. They have one school there. Um, starts with an H. I don't remember what it's called, but I heard that's a pretty good law. Uh, yeah, the girl uh, from Legally Blonde went there. Um, Harvard. Harvard. <laughs> yeah. oh, Harvard. Harvard. I've never heard of that. And then you got Brown. I mean, all the Ivy Leagues are there, and I, I guess they're pretty good for law. NYU, Boston College. I mean, all these schools on the East up. Coast. What about you guys? Do you you guys often talk about where you see yourselves in ten years? No, Do your just, like, listeners know that? All right. What about you guys just, then? Like, no one's ever asked if <laughs> with your li- your listeners ought to know, right? So in ten years, I see myself being a politician. Whether that be, you know, being a mayor somewhere or a state senator or whatever it may be. Something with government, I would definitely want to be, I would want to work in office, work for someone that works in office. Um, your uncles helped me a lot, you know. He recommended me to a board called uh, ILIAC, which is where I make legislation for bills that pertain to youth. So, I mean, your uncle's been a really good guidance for me uh, to, you know, get involved. So... He's done good things for me. So you're gonna really be a part of the machine, be a part of the. Cr- I'm kidding. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> not not your career politician machine. Not, kidding. Not, <laughs> I love your uncle, but not your uncle's machine. Yeah, that's he's, fair. We've been, he's been gracious to me and been very kind. Uh, so I appreciate him a lot. Wow. So I see myself being a politician. You took this podcast. You totally took. <laughs> uh, in ten years, I'll either be destitute and dead in a ditch somewhere, or I'll be working at a club circuit. If one be realistic, stand up yeah. comedy. Yeah, hopefully, or I'll be dead in a ditch. So, pieces. Thirty. Those are the two career paths. <laughs> you either do it or you're dead. So, or I could do the John Belushi route and get real big real quick, and then die after, which I think is pretty cool. All the big men in comedy all got addicted to cocaine very fast. Made three or four great movies, and then we're out. And I think that's a great path. Wore out or, like, died? Died. Oh. Yes. Well, Passed yeah, the, the history behind stand-up, and I've heard Joe Rogan talk a lot about this, is, like, they would get fucked ass up before they would go on stage. Yeah. Like, these dudes were doing coke, molly, drinking, um, smoking weed. Like, they were doing everything under the sun, and it made their content better. Yeah. But you could o- you could only do you could only do it for so long. With, with that as your fuel, you can't really. Do- that's like putting uranium in a Volkswagen. Like it's gonna work. But yeah, I, I've never been asked a question on a podcast before. That, that yeah. threw me off. Yeah, it was I like breaking the fourth wall. No, you. Yeah, can, you can I won't, I'm sorry. You're right. I did just like <laughs> hijack the podcast. Yeah, don't ever overstep your bounds again. Um, no, that was yeah. cool. For law, what do you want to like focus in, or do you know yet? No idea. General sort of, just the law, just you the know. Law. Just, I want to know the law. Types of laws and what they mean, and I'm, and <laughs> who they, are, who enforces. Them. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, all I've ever like really studied, uh, in like you know, like intro to law classes and things like that. Like they all start with like very basic like constitutional law, like learning the Bill of Rights, like learning about like some of the more important like federal statutes and like general generally like that's what I've found most interest in. But that's also the only thing I've ever studied. Yeah. So I took a business law class and like contracts, no shot. That's like very difficult and complex and sounds like something I don't want to do. But I mean tort law is pretty interesting. I don't know. I don't so I, I you know, figuring it out. But what I do know is that from all the different disciplines I've I've like focused on, like whether it be like things like Center on science. Like I, 
I took a bunch of science classes in high school and even at IU. And like, although like I can appreciate its value, I don't enjoy learning it. <laughs> and math, like although I've taken, you know, dozens of math classes over my life, like I can appreciate its value. I don't enjoy learning it. Um, like business, I appreciate its value. I don't, like the only thing I've genuinely enjoyed studying ever has been like, like law, political science, government. Like, and so I'm the same way. Pretty interesting. Like, and psychology. Uh, yeah. Psychology. So, like, a really interesting, like, fast of law that, like, is continuing to grow is, is like, I, I, like, IP law, like, intellectual property, like, yeah. technology law, like, in specifically, like, privacy law in the face, in the wake of, like, um, you know, like, surveillance capitalism and, like, big data sales from, you know, Facebook and Google and whatnot. Uh, there's a shit ton of privacy law that's come up both, like, civilly between two parties and federally and like state like from the government so uh last wednesday 46 states and the federal trade commission the ftc uh all uh filed antitrust lawsuits against facebook i don't know if you guys have like talked about that or seen much about it but 46 states and the federal government are asking facebook and alleging that they have a monopoly on the social media industry which contributes to their ability to gather large amounts of data and sell it and they're asking facebook to be split up into instagram and whatsapp the two companies that they acquired in 2012 and 2014 respectively they're once again asking them well they're not once again they're asking them to diverge so that's pretty pretty fascinating to follow do you have tiktok i don't Neither for do the I. privacy Neither concerns yeah you have it specifically for the privacy concerns? i choose not to use it specifically for the privacy concerns but you yeah. have instagram and twitter yeah, which is, like, super hypocritical, and it, it's, like, super biased also, but, like, uh, I don't like Mark Zuckerberg. I actually think that guy sucks. He looks like a lizard. So he didn't even come up with the idea of Facebook. Well, not even, like, the whole social network movie. Like, like he sells, like, I mean, he makes a fuck ton of money selling, like, our information. Whoever is selling my data, a millionaire. Because I have tanked, like, probably 150 hours of watching TikTok. So whoever was given my information, they're making bank off of me. Which I'm okay with. Yeah, I mean, you're a very valuable asset to somebody. I, I don't do anything. Someone sees value in, in you, right? And that's like. nice. <laughs> in the dark nights, I'm like, someone wants my data. But I don't think I do anything that's interesting enough to be offended at someone selling my data. Or maybe I just don't understand it on a fundamental level. And I kind of agree with that. Like, I, like it, it is super easy for us, and it's like kind of naive to an extent. Like, I'll admit that I'm naive about it. But when you think about, like, what they know about me, you're like, yeah, I'm probably okay with that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, you don't know, like, my deepest, darkest, personal, intimate secrets. Like, you know where I live and, like, what Stock I do and, and what I like times. on social media. Ah, fuck yeah. it. Like, oh, Sam Houston really likes watching cooking videos <laughs> and <laughs> listening to Brian Baldinger talk about Quentin Nelson. I'm like, yeah. Like, I love Baldy. Nail on the head. Like, I love Baldy. But has it been tough for you, Sam, kind of? Seeing less people, I think, uh, or it's different because you live with like a hundred. I live with it. I think that's what the the worst thing was. Like, I really think like coronavirus and quarantine specifically had very adverse effects on my mental health and the mental health of my friends, um, specifically the members like of my pledge class, kids like who are my age and like who I live closest with. But even just within, like, our, our chapter as a whole, um, dude, sitting in a room with the same guys for 50 days is, like, the worst. And it's, like, we, like, 
and, and again, like not that like us taking breaks from social gatherings wasn't important. Like it was yeah. essential. And, and I'm not saying that that wasn't worthwhile, but I can say that that like was necessary and also say that it sucked. Mm-hmm. Like what we did was important and like I'm glad, but it sucked. Like you just get sick of each other. Like I got like you, you just sit around and like play the same video games and like watching the bubble was cool for a few weeks. <laughs> and then after that, it's like you didn't have shit to do. It's like, man, I, I really think like, you're just getting irritable, getting anxious, like getting cabin fever. So that's why I said, like, I would just go on walks around campus. Like, I needed to feel like I was still a student in Bloomington. Like, go on a walk by myself, like, feel like I was still a part of something. But, I mean, it wasn't so much, like, missing out. Like, yeah, missing out on social stuff sucked. But, man, like, being stuck with being stuck people. in the house was, oh, was like, got very exhausting. Our, so, like, one weekend, like, our moms came down and visited. And, like, we couldn't even have, like, our parents into our house. Like, my mom couldn't see where I lived, like, yeah. because of the – strict Monroe Your county guidelines in the fraternity too right it was my second year living okay. in but but nonetheless it's like she hadn't seen my room yet like i live in a different room i have different roommates like she didn't get to, to come in and see that like um i mean imagine like some guys like who who had girlfriends who like lived in the sorority house and whatnot like the only places they could hang out was like on i think if they went on a date like mm-hmm. they couldn't have their girlfriends over like they couldn't go to their girlfriend's house like i couldn't imagine that like the tax of not being able to spend time with like one of your closest companions you know like it feels so like it was a lead up to lord of the flies but you guys got out of it right before right before right before the big ending we were like in really close yeah. to savage murder well really <laughs> close to like well it gets you get antsy seeing the same faces well you've got at in fiji also you've got like boys from hsc correct fishers that you've known forever like henry mm-hmm. yeah no free press but yeah. mr fitzgerald That's uh one correct. of your one of your good friends <laughs> <laughs> someone's gonna be like whom i wonder who the second <laughs> the second name was uh. <laughs> uh one of your good buddies i know there are a lot of hsc guys so like was it was it nice to have those guys in your pc and or your fraternity that you already know yeah, I mean, now it's, like, so, like, in, like insignificant because I am just as close to... Your brothers. Like, the new guys I met than the people I knew coming into it. But, like, it certainly helps. I don't know. Anytime you're in a new environment, familiar faces are, like, certainly comforting. But, um, I don't know. It's it's cool, like, to see how, like, my friendships have changed with the people I knew from home before, like, and then getting there. But Do you feel like you were able to get out of that Fisher's bubble, even with being in such a populated area of fisher's kids oh certainly like a hundred percent and that goes back to something i said earlier like like and, and and this leads into something you asked me too joey like i value like experiences like probably more than anything and like one of the best ways to like indirectly have new experiences is to surround yourself with new people and like learn from them and like learn from what they've done and like learn from where they're from and like why they're different than you and like although i'm in a like in a house with like a lot of very similar like-minded kids like they still, like, had different mm-hmm. upbringings. They still, like, did different things in high school. They're still from, like, different communities. Like, one of my closest friends, like, one of my pledge brothers, grew up in South Africa and then moved to New Jersey and, like, has done all this crazy shit. And, like, it's so cool to hear about that and whatnot. Um, so that's what I think I've missed the most this semester is I haven't met as many new people as I would have liked because, one, I was quarantined around people I already knew. And then, two, once our quarantine was was lifted and we were once again able to like go out and hang out with friends at restaurants and go hang out with friends like in small settings at like apartments and off-campus houses in order to abide by the 
guidelines as close as possible, you're only hanging out with a small group of friends. So who are you most likely to hang out with in a small group? People you know. People who are comfortable enough to invite you over. Mm -hmm. Like... You're not taking the chance. No one's giving someone like a 50-50. This guy might be cool. Yeah, you're not going to be like, oh, hey, I don't know Sam Houston or his 10 friends, but they might be cool. So <laughs> let's hang, like, yeah. you know, like you're not going to. So, yeah, you didn't really, I didn't really meet as many new people as I would have liked. Um, but, I mean, it's just one of the consequences of COVID. Yeah, I went to UND my freshman year, so I met a lot of new people. A lot of my friends that I talk to outside of my friend group at IU are from, like, St. Louis, one of my really good buddies, is from um, uh, Jamaica. So he, we call him Rasta. He's cool. Um, it's a super original uh, <laughs> nickname for a Jamaican person. Never Rasta. Have you heard that? I've never. that. Did you come up with that or something? I've never heard of Rasta. I don't like your <laughs> – I don't appreciate this. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> And now I'm at Bloomington, uh, a school that's ten times the size of UND, and I feel like I've met less people, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like being on a cruise ship, um, but you really only get to see the three people next to you. So you know there's a bunch of people there, but you just you have no way, no way to really run into them. Yeah. I've never been on a cruise ship. <laughs> I was going to ask, are you guys like, what do you think is going to happen to cruises I after the pandemic? Really? <laughs> I've been on one cruise and they were so fun. I love cruises. How old were you when you went on the cruise? Man, I was a sophomore in high school, a junior in high school. That's were you pulling ladies on that, or were you in a relationship? Oh yeah, no, I went with my family, dude. It was a family <laughs> vacation. It was still. no, dude. Cruises were so fun. I, like, cause it's like I, I was one. It was cool to hang out with, like my sisters and whatnot, cause it's like good to spend family time. Easy. But dude, it was like you were on a ship and they had putt putt which is awesome. You, know, you don't play a lot of putt-putt and fishers with Ben and Ari's being closed. So that was actually freaking cool. They had, like, comedy clubs that were, like, everything. Because, like, you, it's like uh, you pay however much. I don't know how much the cruise costs. But then you can literally do everything. Yeah, like, it's all-inclusive. All-inclusive. Well, you can't Food leave. is all-inclusive. You can't like, leave. Drinks are all-inclusive. <laughs> they had chocolate fountains at night, like, ice cream machines you could just go to whenever. Like, it was so cool. Like, um, like, a, like you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean, and they had, like, an like an like a high rope course, which was like crazy. You're like, that's the sea. Like, that's the water. You can do all of this on land. But it's all centralized. And then you're on the ocean and you're moving. And it's kind of cool to like look out the window and be like, holy shit. Like, I'm, I'm on, on a boat. Ocean. Like, Titanic. <laughs> Oceana. Those are the two boats I know that sunk that were cruise ships. I'm, oh man. It's like a cesspool. It is. And that's why I don't know if they'll ever exist again. <laughs> we, were t- we were talking about cesspools earlier. They're have, so cheap Have right you ever now? been to Stacks? Sorry. No, I've never been to Stacks. Okay, never mind. Also cesspool. It's the cruise of of bars. Of cruise of bars? It's it's the bar of cruise. No, it's the cruise of bars. It's the cruise of bars. Um, I I hope they don't recover. No offense if Mr. Norwegian is listening or something. (laughs) Is it really cheap right now? I'd imagine. I couldn't tell you. Because you've got to be fucking ludicrous to go on a cruise. What is cheap right now is international travel. Yeah. Crazy. Countries are subsidizing you for going. Like, they'll give you two free nights... If you stay two nights. Holy shit, can you imagine if this happened? Like, again, like, because we live in such a globalized world, like, Tourism. yes, the pandemic has, like, ravaged us, but how many, like, communities that rely on American yeah. tourism are getting, like, Cabo? They lost s- spring break, they lost summer trips, they lost some certain fall trips. Like, yeah. there's a lot of, like, people who depend on American tourism, like, for their livelihood. 
that got, I mean, that's like some of the unintended consequences. Like we see the economic impacts here. There are so many subsequent impacts of based on our economic, you know, like misfortune other places, which is kind of my thing with COVID. And, and I don't know how you guys feel about this, but like, yes, like we public health has to come first, but I'm very, very hesitant to shut down the economy again. Because there's a lot of unintended consequences. And you brought up suicides earlier. Like, yes, like you got to do everything you can about the virus. But there's so much that happens when you close down communities that that might uh, that are just as, you know, impactful as vulnerable as well as the virus. Like it's it's, you know, I've seen two two ideas that I think could be helpful um, in protecting that. I, I saw an idea where the government could subsidize local restaurants and do like food drops for place for people if we go into a full lockdown so they still get paid and they still people get to eat you know which is pretty important yeah um some some would say some would say <laughs> food's the most important um but so the government would pay for those meals sort of thing so that the economy still keeps getting generated but then i don't know very much about anything i don't know what money is or where it comes from so i don't know how that would work necessarily but i think that's an interesting idea is that it could still revive, it could keep that local economy going and keep people fed, which I think is a win-win, but there's probably a loss in there. <laughs> well, the, 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 the deficit that the government would have to run to subsidize yeah. those things, like, and the, an interesting thing, and I don't know if this is true, uh, and it probably isn't true, but, like, something that, like, I hypothesized and, like, had heard people discuss about Kilroy specifically is that the government was subsidizing Kilroy's to stay closed, because they realized that an, that an open Kilroy's bar could potentially be a super spreading like yeah. location. So essentially, Monroe County was paying Kilroy's as much money or enough money that they would have been making otherwise for them to stay closed. That way, Kilroy's wasn't losing money. Like they weren't making the business decision to like run a deficit, but they were also like not open because of the public health repercussions. And I don't. And again, I don't know if that's true. Maybe it's not, but that's an interesting concept to pay something to stay closed. It's like you're losing double. I don't think that's true because Kilroy's is winning because they're, they're in this hypothetical situation. Government, yeah. local government, but though, is losing. the government's losing. still getting money from other places. That's yeah. an interesting idea. You shut down the major spreading ones. But, but then wouldn't something else? Yeah. So, but then the bars upstairs. take its place. Upstairs took its place. Yeah. Bluebird potentially took its place. Like yeah. There's a vacuum, certainly. And that's like another issue I, I have with certain lockdowns, and I've only learned this from um, like speaking to people in the restaurant business. Like, the government has put a lot of small businesses in really tough positions because they're telling you, "Hey, small local Mexican restaurant, although you tend to only make two to three percent profit margin when operating at a full capacity." We're going to tell you, uh, A, to either to stay closed and not make any money, or B, you can open up, but you can only open up 50%. And that, and with that situation, the overhead costs are nearly at 100% at what they would have been with 100% capacity, but the revenues to offset those costs is has a cap, is limited at 50%. So you're asking businesses to open up not at the government's expense, at their own expense for the betterment of the community. Yeah. Like that's where we need subs like that's where we need government subsidy to support small businesses who are opening up so people like you and I can go eat and like be social and have that 
like ment- mental and physical wellness available to us. But the government's not, it's those companies losing that money. And then vice versa, the government loses because there's less tax revenue. Like, Well, the governments are seeming to favor large corporations. And they always have, right? Whenever, whenever it comes to subs, like Amazon got big subsidies uh, for their for their loss in business, even though I don't think they had a loss in business because... No. Um, they definitely had an uptick. Yeah, because he was... Because uh, you're not going out anymore yeah. to buy shit. Yeah. What? Uh, what's the owner? What's his Jeff name? Bezos. Jeff Bezos sucks, yeah. made thirteen billion dollars in a day. Yeah, that's like sets. And this was in the midst of a pandemic. This guy was getting richer and richer every day. While these, my parents own a subway, so it's it's a small business. Uh, their own, their first and only subway. So when we're operating at fifty percent capacity, we make profit when we sell about twelve hundred dollars worth of you know yeah. shit in a day. So when we're operating at fifty percent, we're selling six hundred. That barely covers mm-hmm. our uh, like overhead for the day, as you were talking about. So when if and if Subway shuts down, then that place remains empty. Then uh, Westfield loses out on our income, or the tax that we're gonna pay, and then the state loses out, and then the federal government loses out. So as these, it'll be interesting to see how small businesses are affected post COVID, and well, it'll be a struggle to see if they even stay open, because. I mean, if anything, it, it might contribute to even greater monopoly or yeah. centralization of commerce because the businesses that will be able to withstand this pandemic will be the ones who are big enough to, to do yeah. so. Too big to fail. Exactly. Which brings me to my, this is an original idea, we should bring back candles. Because how much of the lighting cost is going, or how much of the cost per month is going to like lighting and electricity? I'm being semi-serious <laughs> here yeah. for small businesses. I think ambiance is a big plus, and you're spending a lot less money on energy. You really just need to focus that on refrigeration and everything. Could you imagine walking in like a Taco Bell though, and just have like <laughs> a thousand, like a seance, like That's a taco a seance? Right yeah. Well, ambience. other other countries have been able to withstand this this economic inc- impact from COVID because of their energy is renewable. So renewable energy mm-hmm. is so much cheaper than the electronic power plants that we're using right now cost so much less to maintain and shit. And while we're here using coal and fossil fuels for our energy, other countries have already established a solar panel grid that costs 50% of what we use for our coal. You know what I'm saying? So these energy companies in other countries have been able to withstand the effects of COVID because their energy just costs less to produce. It's natural and it renews itself. It's interesting how COVID is bringing together like every major thing to the front line because that's a climate change thing a little bit. Yeah, it's an electrical thing. Now we're doing business <coughs> thing. It's a public health crisis. It's a mental health crisis. Like everything is going under one umbrella, and that's a little exhausting to think about. Oh, it's like the worst. It's so stressful. It's like, yeah. and even then, in the midst of the pandemic, like we were once again reminded of like the systemic racism that ah. exists in our country. Like, I, it's such an interesting thing, but like. I don't know. I would think you could say, may, some might say, and, and myself included, maybe two years ago, could be like, yeah, America's not perfect, and, and there's a lot of things that we're not doing well, and there's a lot of things we struggle with, but like, there's there's also a lot that we do super well. Like, we're very like I would I would have said two years ago, like we are a very good country, economically sufficient easily. Yeah, right? we are a very good country, like for a variety of reasons. And you take one thing, and obviously COVID is a huge thing, but you take one thing that is a flaw that serves as a magnifying glass onto the institutions in our country, and what has been exploited? <laughs> Homelessness has been exploited. 
our infrastructure and our hospitals and even our healthcare system yeah. has been exploited substantially. The support our small businesses have has been exploited. Again, like systemic racism has once again been exploited. Like all it took was one like glitch in the systems, one anomaly that like, and it really did. Rev- and and it, it's not that we can't be better, but it's interesting how it all it took was one pervasive issue to just completely derail. It was like looking at America as if someone built a house with cotton candy as the infrastructure. And it held together really well, and then one day it rained. And then all the cotton candy melted, and then the house toppled a little bit. That's the way that I like to explain it to myself, because it's hard to imagine how something that looks so strong and prosperous could be broken by a single straw, like one thing going wrong. And it really is a little bit terrifying because it shows you how everything is held together so strenuously. And if one thing can do this to our culture and our economy and everything in our daily lives, imagine another thing. What if we had two diseases going on right now? Would we all, would there be fire and anarchy? One of the worst things about COVID, in my opinion, that we don't seem to talk about is that it failed to, something that COVID, uh, again, like exacerbated, like gave light to is that COVID like failed to unify us. And you think about when you ask people, like, when was America, like, most united? Like, when is there a lot of patriotism? It tends to be in response to tragedies. Think about after, like, Hurricane Katrina or even, like, in our lifetime, more specifically, like, um, Boston bombing. Boston bombing. Or what was a hurricane in Texas? Was that called Harvey? Yeah, Hurricane Harvey. Hurricane Harvey. Hurricane Sandy on the East Coast. Like, I remember when I was a sophomore in high school and that horrible hurricane, like, devastated texas and you remember like when jj watt like raised like a hundred million dollars and our school was doing funds and like helping out that community or think about yesterday was the anniversary of the the shooting in newtown connecticut you think about after that we're like we all came together and like we have to look at gun violence we have to look at who is able to acquire these like you know automatic weapons like you know even like just small tragedies it seems to bring us together and the greatest tragedy one of the greatest tragedies in our lifetime has been this pandemic where people have lost their lives and lost family members and lost their, their well, their welfare their you know, and yet it hasn't brought us together. It's only, it's been more polarizing. I'd say that's because it's not tangible. You can't feel COVID. You can't see directly the effects of COVID. It's, I mean, like you look into a, a room, if you look at a place after hurricane strikes, you see all the buildings are broken down. But if you try and look at what COVID is, it's very hard to imagine a little disease, a little piece of basically like almost dust doing this to a country. So I think it's harder for people to grasp because they can't fully actually see it. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, do you remember after the Noblesville shooting when Susan Brooks came and we spoke to her? You brought up this really good point that I remember to this day. It was um, school shootings are the outcome. We have to fix the symptoms first. Mm So, <clears throat> on the grand st- like, like like gun violence is a symptom of like an underlying issue, yes. which is like oftentimes like mental health issues and mm-hmm. like you know neglect and like ain't, like untreated, you know like yeah. So so pertaining to this, it's like we have to fix these this health disparity that we have within our cities. I was watching a video. I sent it to you. This uh, doctor claimed to have the not the cure but a treatment ivermectin for COVID. And he was saying that I ha- he has never seen such a disparity between African-Americans and people of color dying from COVID versus 
uh, white Americans because of the disparity between healthcare. So if we fixed, if we had fixed all these all these symptoms of of you know our society earlier, and we wouldn't have seen such a big um, shift in our society. But now the cool thing about it is we do have the opportunity to fix it now. Right now, or at least we're more aware. Of yeah, it we're more ever. aware. And the question is always more important than the answer is what I say a lot. So the fact that we're asking ourselves the question, what can we do better within our systems to make them less racist? What can we do within our systems to make them more available to people? What can we do within our systems to make them more efficient? The fact that we're asking ourselves those questions will make us a better country in the long run. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, like, th- going back to what I mentioned, like, that's why I'm, I'm so disappointed in the lack of like unity amongst Americans when it comes to COVID, it's like, well, for the most part, like we're all kind of going through the same shit, like more so than we have in a long time. Like almost like every single American is being impacted by COVID one way or the other. Easily. And, and um, yeah. And so that's why, like, I get so disheartened when people are like, like, fuck you, I'm not wearing my mask. And other people are like, well, fuck you, you should. Like there is, there is so much anger. There's so much division. Like some people call it a hoax and some people haven't left their house in five months. Like I, I just like, I think it's a, it's a reflection of not the virus, but it's a reflection of how far apart we are as, as a, a country where it's like, even in the face of like a tragedy that is impacting all of us, we can't seem to agree on like even the most basic things we can do to like prevent the spread or, the most simple things we can do to support each other. So, and people that say masks don't work, I mean, those are the. Uh, there was a, I saw this on Twitter. There was a news article that was posted in the sp- uh, 1918 Spanish flu pandemic, yeah. and it draws parallels between what's going on now. Um, and the quote was, "The man who wears a mask or doesn't wear a mask is the man who expects everyone else to listen to them when they speak." So, and I think it's interesting to the fact that you know you can draw parallels between. 102 years ago to what's going on now because those those two things are so similar the last time we had to wear masks as a society uh was 1918 during that pandemic so now we're seeing the same things happen that we did back then and you know what they say you history repeats itself if you don't learn from it so it's interesting it's almost like we're we're all speaking the same language but with different dialects it's like almost the same and there's almost full understanding, but there is one fundamental difference in the way that it's being presented from both sides. Every w- nobody wants other people to die, but also people have their own different methods of how they want to go through life. And the as of now, we as Americans are speaking differently, and no one's trying to help the other side understand. As you said, it's like the fuck you, I'm not wearing a mask, fuck you, wear a mask. Yeah. Rather than I'm not wearing a mask because uh, I don't fully understand it well, here's the mask, and this is why you should understand it, or this is the way before it. We've gotten to a point where, like, expletives are now the new way of just talking. We do so much assuming in our culture. And, like, what I learned very early in my life is one of my teachers said this to me, and a teacher probably shouldn't be saying this to a kid. He was like, what does assuming do, Ranveer? And I was like, what? Like, makes an ass out of you and me. And ever since then, like, I've been, I was in third grade learning, like, and he said that to me. And, like, that sticks to me with this to this day. So, like, we assume so much about what's going on in each other's lives that we don't even – we forget to ask the question, you know. Like, mm-hmm. how's your day, man? Like, we forget to ask. We just assume everyone's having a bad day or a good day. Like, we, we, we have yet to ask the question. 
to get to the bottom of the issue. Yeah, and I wonder when that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Who knows? Fuck. <laughs> that's, that's where people are always like, I don't know. Maybe this is where I'm a pessimist. People are always like, it's going to be your generation that saves us. It's going to be, I'm like, fuck, dude, I still have no idea what's going on. Like, I wish I knew. Like, I don't know. It'll be fascinating to say, like, what comes out of this in the next five, ten years. So you ask, where where will I be ten years from now? Like, who, where will we be ten years from now? Like, where will, where will, you know, the things that we realized are, like, very deep underlying issues in our country and in our world that uh, have definitely come out this past year, where will those things be in ten years? Because that's going to have a huge impact yeah, on where we are. It was like, 60 degrees in December two days ago. Like, where, will we even be here in two years? My car was frozen shut. I had to get my mask and I had to pull it a couple times. I think we need another We Are the World. I think we're ready for it. I think we're ready for it too, man. I think. I've never felt better about myself than We Are the World. But we haven't had one in forever. Well, the closest thing we got was the fucking. All the celebrities singing Imagine at the start of the pandemic. And that was the worst thing I've ever seen. That was the worst <laughs> thing I saw this year. All of them had like such patronizing smiles. They're like, we're doing it. We're saving America. And it was like the worst celebrities. <laughs> it wasn't any celebrity you wanted to hear from. It was like, they had Mark Ruffalo. I'm like, oh, cool, man. You're like the ninth best Avenger. <laughs> like, well, it, I think it united I was like, us. Shut the up. It united us against it. Yeah. For a couple of days, you... Other than COVID, you could both everyone you could stop someone on the street and you both hate the same thing. Who would be in a 2020, 2021 We Are the World? And also, why wasn't there one? Jake Paul. Right? Like what happened? Like, cause Haiti was an earthquake and like obviously that was horrible yeah. and like but that was a very like this is actually like a pandemic that affects the whole world. Yeah, like and we haven't had one. Everyone's and there's no we are the world. Like now, now more than ever we like need that. We know we can holograph Michael Jackson. We know No, he's gonna be in it for sure. Happened. Why is he not? Why are we not doing another one? I'm talking Justin Timberlake. Drake wasn't in the 2012 one, I don't think. What, what's I don't think Drake? Around then. Lil Wayne was in it. I know. <laughs> we could uh, get Drake in there. Like Selena Gomez, Ariana Grande. Got to put Billie Eilish in that. Billie <laughs> Eilish. Megan The Stallion. Perhaps. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Dude, she's a transformational face. She has You're going to tra- put Paul McCartney in that, though, too. <laughs> oh, he has to. Paul McCartney needs at least a little bit. A t- him on the guitar. Like when he was on the Kanye song and he didn't sing anything, but he's credited for guitar. Yeah. We could have him play that. <laughs> Just in the back, like. I think we're due for it. And in all seriousness, I think we all need something that we can unite behind. The Black Eyed Peas were in the 2012 We Are the World. <laughs> I'm thinking of all these artists, especially the rap part. Like, who were some of the artists that were in the rap part? Like, was Lil John in We Are the World? <laughs> like, Probably. I know Josh Groban was in it. He's yeah. not a rapper. He might be the furthest thing from it. But there's that part where it's just it's just him in the music. Was Shakira, yeah, was I know Shakira exactly. in it? Was Shakira in it? No. Uh, she might have been. Kim K was in it. I think. Of course she was. In 2012? I'm pretty sure. Um, I think Kanye was in it. Have you guys seen the 2000, or the, the one in the 80s, like the OG yeah. one? That's yeah. the funniest video I've ever seen, because all those like 80s artists were just horrible, and Michael oh. Jackson had a shoulder the whole song. <laughs> like, 80s genres were so wildly different. You have like Phil Collins, and then yeah. some like, like weird alternative. Like, like computer, they would like yeah. click on the computer, and then like, modulate their voice and they didn't do that for the song that's kind of what ed sheeran does now is it Have ed sheeran would probably be in we are the world 2020 it has I, to be it was my first concert it was an ed sheeran concert i went with max on a that's boy cute day. i like that i love that's ed cute sheeran. as hell he, he did like a little the, the loop pedal yeah, yeah i've so seen ed sheeran live too yeah. he's a band oh yeah, you yeah. Wanna, oh you've seen him too <laughs> I, he wasn't my first concert i'm kind of jealous of that actually yeah, you probably saw like og ed sheeran it was incredible no it wasn't og <laughs> It was, I was late. It was like 2015. <laughs> I went 
uh, we missed the Mudsock football game for the concert that I went to. I think it was my junior year of high school. I went to an Ed Sheeran concert. That was my senior year. I remember that very yeah. distinctly, actually. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> my bad, boy. <laughs> I totally forgot that. But when we, when he was doing the loop pedal, someone's scream got looped. They were like, "Woo, Ed Sheeran!" And then it'd be like every four bars or so, it'd be like, "Woo, Ed Sheeran!" <laughs> um, and then I went to J Cole. Those were my first. Two. Oh, those are two bangers, bro. Yeah. J. Cole? And then Andy Minio for the Christian rap fans out there. I hit that. That was my third concert. Okay. That's are something that also sucks about COVID. No concerts. Are so you still a Kendrick guy? Big Kendrick guy? Yeah, I think. I don't know if he's my favorite artist, but he's. The, I think he's the, the best hip-hop artist maybe ever. Because when we, when I met you, you were, DNA had just come out. Yeah. You were a big Kendrick fan, then. You went to a concert. You went to a concert. There. I did. I went. You went to a Kendrick concert? I went to Damn concert up in Chicago. Damn. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I worked like all summer driving, delivering pizzas. And I used pretty much the, all the money I made that summer to buy my like, I was like, if I'm going to go see Kendrick, like I'm going to fucking see Kendrick. And I got like a third row ticket and like bought out and like, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was cool. I've always wanted to see him in concert. I saw him do a halftime show for one of the football games. Yeah, it wasn't. A Fisher's football game? Yeah. He, he yeah. Fishers, yeah. And like everyone parted and he <laughs> Jason Urban, our principal, <laughs> no <laughs> naughty words now, uh, which was great. We actually, Fisher's had some problems with playing bad songs at homecoming. Not bad <laughs> as in like, but like they would play Broccoli when Broccoli was big. And then the like DJ was like, remember, if you're singing a log, leave out the F word. And then obviously. We no, it did. And he was like, okay, final warning. And he like Bodak Yellow. And he was like, uh, now I know this one's dirty, but resist the temptation. I'm like, oh, Jesus, absolutely not. HSC Homecoming was not like that. No, you guys had Drake Bell come to your school. I wonder if anyone interviewed Drake Bell that's in the room. Oh, did you interview Drake Bell? I interviewed Drake Bell. Can you explain that? Can you so describe the interview? It was just after the picture of his penis was leaked on the <laughs> I remember that. So I know exactly what his penis looks like. I'm in a unique <laughs> position. Where for the first time in my life, I'm talking to someone, and I know exactly what their penis looks like. And he was late to the concert. Because he was at Top Golf for three and a half hours, and then he refused to put a shirt on. He threw it into the crowd, and then he was like touching everyone. And then he came over to me, and he didn't have a shirt on. And I was like, "Hey, could you put a shirt on?" And he was like, "For sure." And he puts on his own merch, and I go, uh, "Who are your influences?" And he's like, "The Beatles." And I was like, "As you can tell." And then was this in front of the whole like yeah. crowd? You were yeah. asking him questions. Uh, no, I pulled him aside afterwards. But he was wearing a David Bowie. Were you shirt recording this, or was it like oh, yeah. okay? Uh, Joey's throwing comedy on YouTube, but. He was wearing a David Bowie shirt to start, and I was like, what do you think about David Bowie? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's cool. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, and then he changed his name to, like, David or Drake Campanella or something. And he's in Mexico now. Like, that's why that's probably, like, the most fascinating interview, like, you'll ever do in your life. Someone came up to me afterwards, and they're like, I don't know if you know this, but this is the best day of your life. I was like, if I peak interviewing Drake Bell. I think you might have. This might be a <laughs> terrible life. Like, on my deathbed, I'm like, oh, God, the kids were great. But, damn, that interview with Drake Bell. <laughs> <laughs> in, in 20, what was it, in 2018? 2018. Did you ask him about the show? You can't. You can't ask a guy who, because that's a guy who actually peaked, like, when he was, like, 18 or 19 doing the show. Talk about his music. Yeah, you I don't ask about the show. I know very little about his music. <laughs> Well, looking at a guy like that, someone like him, it's he's like a childhood hero. Like you watched him every day. And I saw his penis. And you saw his penis. 
Double whammy. That's sick. That's Dude. like the most intimately you can know somebody. It was all, uh, not, no, 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 whatever. It was all I could think about. When I, was <laughs> <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I saw a full shaft. And everything. <laughs> um. <laughs> you should have talked to Just him about it. Just said full shaft on the podcast. <laughs> I didn't think that would. No, I'll, this, yeah. <laughs> I'm devolving. But, yeah, that was, w- I wanted to ask him about it. I wanted to be like, so did you send it to the wrong person or something? And then, but I never did. We get little E's put next to it when we cuss. It's kind of cool to see. Because, like, some of our podcasts have the explicit next to it, and then some of them just don't. So, like, next week we're going to have Dr. Borf on. Oh, so that won't be that an won't E one. That won't be an E one. You think it'll be an E one? Dr. Borf just on here cussing. E's, by the way. Oh, I thought that was something that, like, Spotify and no, Apple I, did. I, I, yeah. If we didn't do that, we'd get in trouble, right? I have a question for you guys. Like, obviously, like, you're going to put out, like, hours of content of, like, you two, right? Do you ever, like, wonder, like, what that'll be like in, like, you know, like, 10, 15, 20 years? Like, when you will be able to, like, look back and have, like, hours of, like, what you were like as a 20, 21-year-old kid? Like, that's kind of crazy to me. I think of this right? as kind of like a time capsule. I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> Because, like, this is going to be on the internet forever. Forever. Like, this will never... This will never go away. Once we post this, this will never go away. Do you, do you fear or, like, worry or, like, wh- like what are your feelings about knowing that, like, you, this voice, this moment in time right now and, like, the hours of moments like these that you have out there, like, will be, like, I don't know. I'm just curious. I regret saying full shaft now. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I think I'm in a unique position where I don't have to worry about, like, someone hiring me looking at the podcast. And I, I think I I think I would really enjoy going back and listening to it and seeing kind of what I was like and what the world was. So Joey and I have talked about like the future of the podcast where we see this going. And like we see us we see ourselves doing this for like, you know, as long as time lets us, you know. I mean, I'll be out of college in I transferred so I have another extra year after this, but and then I'm probably gonna go to uh get my master's degree in psych and then go to law school i don't know which one i'm gonna do yet i'm kind of in between but um we see ourselves doing this for like a good amount of time and we have the fan base so like i i want to say before we go on like thank you thank you thank you to everyone like i can't stress it enough like we have such supportive listeners and like people give us reviews and like we look at all that shit like it's not just something that we we uh use for clout like this is stuff that we look at and we value people's opinions and like we appreciate all the support that we've had we just passed 500 streams on everything a little bit more than 500 so it's been kind of cool i hope my kids listen to this and hear their father say full shaft (laughs) 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 me accidentally saying full shaft but now you're going to be immortalized down here i know that's like literally what i was thinking about the whole like since you guys asked me to be on the podcast i'm like fuck like it's sick. Like I'm super excited to, be, to, to like sit down with you guys, and I was like really looking forward to it. But it's also kind of crazy for me. It's like, do you have any fears about it? No. Yeah. I don't. Um, not really. Okay, we've been pretty tame with our conversation. Yeah. No, not really. Um, and even like with like it's just like one of the things of like the internet age. It's like more so than any other generation of kids. Like our shit's been documented. Like the dumb tweets that I fired off in, like, 20... The funniest <laughs> thing is, like, seeing, like, old athlete tweets, like, it's, like, so once someone gets drafted, like, in the first round, they're, like, oh, look what uh, Carson Wentz tweeted when he was a 13-year-old kid. It's, like, that's funny, but uh, I don't know. I think it's, like, 
it's going to become such a norm now that like all of our shit is out there for everyone to see that it's like I don't think it'll be like nearly as carry as much weight as it has recently like in recent years like things that you said in the past seem to carry a lot of weight but that's just like that's gonna be the norm in a few years of like oh like I'm a human I say dumb shit like I I sometimes I'm wrong and sometimes when I'm wrong I say that publicly and it's like that's going to happen like that's going to be the reality and like I don't think it should carry as much incriminating weight in the future as because it's like the amount of times that a human being is wrong is like infinite and now the amount of times that someone is both wrong and documented being wrong is going to increase exponentially and it's like I don't know I deleted all my old tweets and Instagram posts, not because I said anything bad. It was just really cringy looking at So me cringy. And me being like, a rate date in TVH tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I deleted that. But it's just interesting. Drop me an emoji and I'll tell you what I think <laughs> about you. Like I had one tweet that I replied to like 85 times and was like, you know, like for a subtweet. And I had to like, I just replied. It was terrible. But that's an interesting point that for the first time everything is documented and open to everybody. And it's going back to talking about data selling like your data is also there forever and always yeah and they're gonna know i visit the victoria's secret website twice a day every day and some guy in taiwan that's weird what's weird about <laughs> it i like to see their sales i want to know you're deal hunting deal hunting yeah that's what it is but it's interesting to think about that and me saying that will always oh no i'm talking myself in circles <laughs> <laughs> I love what I do. Will always be immortalized. And then, but what I'm saying now is going to be immortalized. And then it's like Inception. It's not though. It's, it's, it's pretty easy to understand. But I just <laughs> <laughs> it's actually nothing like Inception. I, I just have a very <laughs> small, smooth brain that words don't catch on. It's actually more like a children's book when you think about it. My brain. Yeah. I w- yeah. Yeah. A lot of pictures. A lot of pictures. A <laughs> couple of words. And a couple he, of here and there. Here and there. Simple ones, simple sentences like that is a cow type shit. Sometimes I say smart things. Most of the time. Yeah, it's like in Sam's bio. By the way, for you guys that are listening, I had to edit Sam's bio because uh, uh, there were too many characters. I think he said I add add things occasionally or something like that. No, I I don't have much to say, but I like to speak. It's like a figure of speech, (laughs) Ranveer, and you made it like... Completely yeah. not a figure of speech. I was say, that, that, was, that one was, it felt weird. Bro, it felt very to, weird. I, I was like, edit. I didn't say that. I'm not that. You misquoted that's I had libel. to. I had to. Not only did you misquote me, you changed the meaning of the <laughs> quote libel. completely. Dude, I had to. It's not to libel, sue. but <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Whatever it is. I had to. I had to. It sounded like a dumbass on Twitter. Yeah, I'm like, I was like, that was a figure of speech. It was like a. It was like a oh, By the way, a Sam is not a dumbass, everybody. He's a very smart intellectual person. People I've ever met, except for no, I, I can't lie. You guys can't gas me. I can't lie this hard on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean for real. People who haven't had the privilege to hear you speak in public or debate in in settings have really like lost out. Like I truly like appreciate how you are able because I mean throughout high school we were in the same speech and debate class. That's how we've met. So like that's how I got to know you. As I honestly thought you were a douchebag at first. I think I've, I've told you this. I thought you were a douche at first. And <coughs> super cool, Ranveer. Thanks. I'm kidding. <laughs> I definitely like. I mean, then I got I'm, I got yeah. to know you. I got to yeah. know you. So it, then you ended up being the president of the club that we created together after I left. You know, like it was such a interesting way to build a relationship, and we built a relationship through speech and debate, which is kind of weird, but it's honestly ended up being pretty cool. I would take time out of my speech day to go watch Sam talk. I sat in on a couple of your disco rounds because I enjoyed it a lot. 
and it was very interesting. We also met. Did we meet before Speech to Faith? We were like mutual friends. I think we met at like shit man like birthday parties like in seventh and eighth grade and whatnot but yeah it was our first meet at noblesville when we were freshmen and i was like holy fuck joey surrounds here like that's great and you you, you, like didn't you like win your first meet Uh, like no you were in the finals i remember we were both in the finals like oh that's sick but i don't wanna yeah i don't really like don't want to talk about like oh the glory days and i used to speak in front of people on the weekends like i mean used to it's a fundamental part it's a building block. Oh, it's it's a huge part of like who I am today. We hype Always up our schools. Be. We hype up our schools a lot here, and and it's in preparation to have obviously the superintendent on our podcast. So like, how how would you say, HSC this HSC school district has prepared you for what you are facing today, or has it? If if it hasn't, that's fine. I mean, I think that going to HSC school has prepared me like. In remarkably for what I'm facing today um, and even just beyond like an academic setting like first and foremost I think the teachers and the staff at HC schools were very intelligent and well equipped to educate and enforce productive study habits that I was able to bring with me to Bloomington um, but even beyond that I think the best thing HSC did was one um, provide an infrastructure and environment for a student to like pursue their interests and two like one they provided that infrastructure and they were very supportive of it like specifically in the things that I I was interested in um I learned so much more beyond the classroom at HSC similarly to how I think I learned at college and I would never would have had that learning if it didn't exist so a great example of that is like the speech and debate team. Like I spent every weekend with Joey at high schools talking to walls in front of like <laughs> moms. And as like, when you put it like that, it's like, it sounds dumb. It's like, th- but that was important to me. And that's what made me like find community and make, build friends and learn work. And like, you know, I, I got more intelligent doing those things. Like I got better at it. Like I practiced and like, that wasn't possible without like a good coach who supported me and Ms. a good Carl. administration. Shout out Miss Carwell. Shout out Miss Carwell. Like it doesn't happen without people who support you at the school or, student government like so many of the projects we did for student government were like random off the cuff shit and it was literally because our our principal and like our superintendent would sit us down in a room once a month and be like hey what can we do to make our school better and it's not them telling us to do things it's us collaborating and finding things out and like okay was us adding uh, a water fountain in this one hallway that didn't have a water fountain that essential no it wasn't but for me and my friends and my peers for us to work together and identify that and make it happen and then have a school who is willing to do that like that's cool like that's how you learn so I think that's the thing that HSC schools does best and what's really unfortunate about like HSC losing Dr. Borf is going to be like that man is so dedicated to supporting productive student like interests no matter how like feasible and no matter how like practical or irrelevant even like he is so dedicated to students yeah. doing what students want to do as long as like he sees like the value in it like he will he will and the schools that he served will do whatever they can to, like help those students do this dude things, it's so. insane i mean in high school you and i organized an event that we had right there on that lawn yeah and i mean as high school kids we were 15 16 17 years old and like the fact that we were able to we 
I would say through Stigma Free, we learned a lot about how local government works. Oh, yeah, a ton. Like um, when it comes to planning, zoning, whatever it may be, and we got we were cl- we had we were fortunate enough to have a city that was supportive enough to you know let us do that. We were just a bunch of kids that were just yeah. trying to fucking you know create some awareness for mental illness, and they let us do that, and somehow, some way, it ended up being quite successful. And you know, just a shout out to all teachers out there. Um, that you guys are teaching right now in the midst of this fucking pandemic. Shouts out to you um, because you are the true heroes of our society. I mean, we value teachers here on this podcast. We've talked about raising teacher pay. So uh, to all you guys that uh, guys and girls out there that are teaching kids or adults, sh- congratulations. Thank you. Round of applause for them. And also next, we haven't talked about uh, nurses, doctors, any healthcare workers on this podcast recently. And I also want to give them a shout out. Because, I mean, uh, you guys are the true heroes of society right now. Because I do not want to be out there working those long shifts for um, in these hospitals. And you guys are out there doing it consistently and have been for the last year. So, shout out to you guys and thank you for everything. Yeah. Damn. That was a... It really puts it in perspective a little bit. Kind of the how hard everyone's working. But I also wanted to go back and go on a stupid tangent for just a second. I Joey's different tangent. Let's go. Part two. I DJed at your guys' stigma free event. I that was the first time I did a silent disco. I remember that. Yeah. Oh my god. That I wasn't was the, uh, that wasn't my year though. Right? I, I wasn't that was in my senior our, yeah, senior, our year. senior year. Yeah, that's right. The silent disco. We've you and I have had very similar experiences, which is what has always drawn me to you, is that it feels like we had kind of parallel things at each respective high school. I would agree. hundred percent. It's like yeah, like we did, we, we did like the same shit, had the same path, but like that's what made us friends. It was like yeah. we just happened to be two like-minded individuals doing the same thing, and it's like oh, we just kept running into yeah. each other. I'm like, <laughs> every time I did something, and I I would just I would like run into you in a different way. Proximity like, breeds closeness. Yeah, but like it was, we got a little we like most things that were big in my life, you were also doing, and I think was also big in your life, which is interesting. Yeah, certainly. And I think what's cool about that too, it's like and like just like going back like we're also very different people yeah. like you and i are very different people like rainbow i'd say you and i even like we're like pretty different people like it's cool that like there like a lot of the things that we all care about and like have similar investments in aren't because we think the same way it's like it has nothing to do with that like we're very different people and yet we can bond over similar things like there's not that's like a, a thing that i think gets lost pretty often it's like Yes, and you that's know. something I'm very grateful for, like work, being able to work with people. Because, like, 80 years ago, I mean, I was, we couldn't have this conversation in this room right now. We didn't have the microphones yet. The I- or the computers. <laughs> or, the com- or the green screen. Or the lights. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but that's facts. I mean, we weren't able, we couldn't have this conversation 80 years ago, like sitting together, have and it like, to be able to collaborate with people and that's another thing we've lost now in with school is like the lack of collaboration between students i feel like i learned most the most when i'm working with my fellow students on a project you know or whatever it may be something to something to that where we have an end goal yeah and um like like we've been doing that so maybe like this be like one of the last things i'll say wrap it up yeah one of the last things i'll say is um like I, I have a little sister who's a freshman in high school right now, and even like what I've said, like I think you all could agree, like you learn so much more in high school 
outside of the classroom. Like you learn social int behaviors and like acceptable social behavior by hanging out in the commons and walking around the hallways and eating lunch and making friends in your classes. And you learn responsibility when you learn how to start driving your car and getting to school on time and leaving school on time. And you learn r things by going to football games and basketball games and joining clubs. Like you learn, a f I learned infinitely more about how to be a functioning, like responsible, good human being in high school by not actually being in the classroom, right? Like that's where you learn like your character and like how to f exist is like mostly beyond the classroom. And so it's so tragic to me and I'm not saying that kids should be in school, but I kind of am because the, the, there's a generation of students missing out on the essential learning necessary to be a productive, like capable functioning human being. My sister who is a freshman who is 15 who is at one of the biggest crossroads of their lives because when you transition from middle school to high school there is a bunch of growth and maturity that is inherent with that leap you take. She is not having to take as big a leap because she's online and she's able to use her resources for most of her classes and the teachers aren't pushing them that hard and she's not going into the building and she's not doing those things like Again, like not that COVID isn't horrible and we have to do what we can to protect public safety. Like we do, public health needs to be a priority, but we also have to remain cognizant of the cost. And I think kids not being in school, and you talk about high schoolers, talk about kids in elementary school. Like Facts. when you're really learning like patience and you're really learning like kindness and you're so really you learning learn the building blocks of life. Like imagine the cost of those kids not being in school. There's gonna be a lot of unattended consequences that we don't really paying much attention to. And like, holy shit, man, like who knows how those might be exacerbated in the coming years. That's facts. Well, okay, where can people find you, Sam? Uh, I'm on social media, but I don't really do a lot of tweeting or interaction. But uh, Yeah, his bio is mostly Colts content. Yeah, I, I tweet about the Colts a lot. But <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Sam underscore Houston with two N's. So it's H-U-S-T-O-N-N. And my Instagram is Sam underscore Houston. But I know you have a LinkedIn. I don't use LinkedIn, actually. Damn. Any closing remarks from you, Joey? I just want to thank you, man. This is a world record length podcast. and I, I, If we didn't have time constraints, I would talk to you for six hours. Cause Facts. It's, it's nice picking your brain and, and, and getting to talk to you. So thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you have a lot of finals, <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, Sam, thank you. Um, I want to end with one last thing. Um, I am Punjabi. I am sick. And in India right now, there are a bunch of farmers protesting a bill that was passed by the Indian government to make their crops worth less. And this isn't the first time this has happened. This has been happening over the past few centuries. So progressively, progressively the Indian government has made uh, Indian sick farmers' crop worth less. So now these governments or these sick farmers are protesting and wanting the Indian government to make their crops worth as much as they were a century ago. And <coughs> it has led to these farmers not farming anymore. And the reason that these farmer, the government wants to bankrupt these farmers is to sell it to, in to industries. So I ask you guys to please educate yourself on this issue. It is very important to me. Uh, it hits home to me. Uh, my grandparents, great-grandparents are still out in India. And um, it touches close to home. So, again, thank you, Sam. I appreciate you coming on. I love you, brother. And I uh, hope this isn't the last time you're on. Yeah, thanks. Love you guys. This is awesome. Stay masked up, everybody. Stay beautiful. Let's Woo! go. Holy fuck, that was long.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Fresh Take with Joey and Ranveer. Today we had Sam Houston on, and we are so very excited to get this episode out to you guys because it was a great conversation. Next week, we'll have on Dr. Alan Borth, the superintendent of HSC schools, and we can't wait to have that conversation because he has done great things for these, for these schools here in Fishers. And uh, also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Fresh Take WRNJ, and like and subscribe on our videos and leave us a review. Thank you, and I can't wait to see you guys next week.